0: Thank you God, God. for your son Jesus, Jesus. you may sit down, that's a powerful song, thank you worship team, and I just want to make a comment here that the elders and I are not responsible for anything that Casey says from this place, (laughs) we've been talking about our gifts to God, we talked about our gift of gratitude, the gift of generosity, and the gift of faith, and now we're going to talk about God's gifts to us which are much greater, obviously. What we give God is a thimble of water. What he gives us is the ocean. I mean, there's that kind of imbalance. I mean, God gives us a Ferrari, and we give him a matchbox car. So today, one of his gifts, the ocean, uh, the Ferrari, is the gift of salvation. Matthew 21, the angel said to Joseph, She will give birth to a son, and you're given the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means God is our salvation. That's why I came. And so often when we think of salvation, especially some of you from more evangelical backgrounds, you, talk, you think about this time, you walk down the aisle and you accepted Jesus and you were baptized and you were saved and that's it and I'm okay, I'm saved. It's so easy really not much to it. But salvation is not that simple. It is a multifaceted, multidimensional concept. It is a process as well as an event. It is so multifaceted that the Bible gives several images or metaphors for salvation because no one image really can describe uh, the magnitude of it. So I'm going to suggest today the gift of salvation is magnificent and difficult. It is wonderful, jaw-dropping, awesome, amazing free gift for all, and yet it is not easy. Have you ever received a gift that was really wonderful, just what you wanted, just what you needed, and then it says, some assembly required, (laughs) and 18 hours later, you finally have it together, and it might be a wonderful gift, but that was not easy. So I'm going to give you some word pictures from the Bible that describe this gift to get an idea of the magnitude and also the difficulty of salvation, and the difficulty isn't what you might think it is. So picture the salvation. Number one is rebirth, from death to life. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. So salvation is not primarily about reforming us into better people, although it should have that effect. Salvation is primarily about making us brand new people. There's an actual birth. We were dead in our sins and now we've been reborn a new life has been conceived in us. The Holy Spirit comes in, and as that new life within grows and matures, we become more and more like Christ. That is the beauty, the magnitude of salvation, that new life is ours. And you can't get new life anywhere else. What's really sad, that phrase born again today has become so watered down to mean, well, just pray and ask Jesus into your heart. And then you can go on your way, that's it. Why would Jesus use the phrase new birth? Is birth easy? I heard a lady. (laughs) From what I've heard, from what I've observed, birth is not easy. Women who would never, ever, ever cuss during birth, yeah. I had the flu really bad last year, and I was miserable, and I hear that birth is even harder than the flu. Now, in the ancient world, they were not nearly as isolated from the birth process as we are. I mean, it happened in homes, so the whole family could hear the process and the noise and the struggle. Even neighbors could hear. It was very public. And birth was a dangerous event. The woman's life was considered in danger, and sometimes the child's life. Death and birth were much closer associated back then, and out of the woman's death struggle comes life. In the ancient world, they sometimes compared women giving birth to warriors who are fighting a life and death battle. And just as a woman is in a life and death struggle, so the warrior and soldier was in this life and death struggle. So birth is not an easy process. We dare not see being born again as a painless, straightforward, simple process. Instead, we have to acknowledge that being born again may include a struggle. It may be painful. It may even be messy and very very often people aren't ready for new birth until they've gone through some crisis in their life or some struggle. We're in this battle between good and evil. That battle is within us. You know, Are we going to be born again or are we going to stay dead? When we evangelize people, uh, let's not be deceiving them, making salvation sound easy. Well, all you have to do is ask Jesus into your heart. That is never found in the Bible, by the way. Never. Birth is rarely easy, and we should not expect the process of rebirth to be necessarily easy as it leads to new life. Another picture, reconciliation from enemy to friend, It's a relationship word. In Romans 5, it says the lost are enemies of God. And if you've ever been in a relationship that has fallen apart, you know how difficult reconciliation and forgiveness can be. Again, not easy. Reconciliation is beautiful. It's wonderful when it happens. It's magnificent, but rarely without struggle. Henry David Thoreau once was asked if he'd made his peace with God. And I think he commented, just like a lot of people in our culture would today, well, I've never quarreled with God. And that is a shallow, common, misunderstanding concept of who we are because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are enemies of God, turned our back on Him because we go our own way. When we talk about repentance, we're talking about making a U-turn, going from enemy to friend, and it's a major shift, and it's not easy. Sanctification is a change in ownership. Israel was sanctified as God's people, set aside for him. Sanctified uh, signifies we are God's possession. The word saint means sanctified one, one who belongs to Jesus and no longer to the world. I saw a button once that a Christian was wearing. said, under new management. Yeah, that's good. Turning our lives over to another person allowing him to call the shots. I am no longer the boss. Jesus is the boss. And that's not easy. By the way, do you know who the most important person in this room is? It's me. You know why? Because I am selfish and egocentric. And the majority of my thoughts are about me and how this is going to affect me. And you're all the same way. It's just natural. My biggest concern is me. And we're all that way. So it's very hard to change ownership from me to him. But it is possible through Jesus' birth coming to earth... And when He owns us and He calls the shot, it is the best way to live. It is magnificent. Redemption, moving from slavery to freedom. We are captives to an array of forces. Sin, death, law, Satan, hold us in their grip. And redeem means to tear loose, literally. We need to be torn loose from these oppressors. And just as someone could be released or redeemed from slavery by payment of money... And and could then be set free. So God has paid the price to set us free and redeem us. And the cost, of course, his son's life. Justification from guilt to acquittal. We're guilty before God. We're pronounced guilty because we are guilty. And then Jesus says, I'll pay the penalty. You are acquitted. Our sins, though very real, are not counted against us. Justified, the best way to remember, is just as if I'd never sinned. Adoption is a change in families. We've become sons and daughters of God. You who've gone through the adoption process, you know it's long, it's hard, it's expensive. There's often setbacks, and it's just difficult. So... Salvation is multidimensional. It changes us inwardly. It changes our legal status before God. It changes our priorities. It changes our allegiances, our loyalties. It changes our goals. It changes our family. There's a change of ownership. And it is much, much more than walking forward and accepting Jesus as my Lord. It is a total makeover. And it is a magnificent gift. But it's not easy. Kind of like marriage. It's easy to get married. Walk down the aisle... It's easy to say, "I do, change your Facebook status." but that's not marriage. Marriage is life with someone much more involved than just a ceremony, and it's easy to walk down the aisle and get baptized, but salvation it is life with Jesus and letting him be the Lord instead of me. And it is magnificent and difficult. Another word: rescue to keep from harm. Here's the idea of being rescued from danger. Here's my joke of the day, and it is so bad, I need to tell you ahead of time so you can laugh. Once upon a time, an evil king captured a beautiful princess and held her hostage in his high tower. Though she was very beautiful, he forced her to wear disgusting, smelly burlap dress. You'll never get away with this, she cried. Some brave knight will rescue me because I am so beautiful. Not in that old dirty thing, the evil king replied. And she waited day and night, but it was just as the king predicted. Every knight the saw her in the window of that high tower was scared away because of that disgustingly dirty dress. And after many months, the princess broke down crying and the evil king taunted her and said, You see, I told you no knight would rescue a damsel in this dress. Please laugh. Actually... That does have a point. We are in this dirty, disgusting, smelly, gross, dirty dress. And it's the reason we get jealous. It's the reason we get angry. It's the reason we lie and hold grudges. And we fight with each other. And our night does come to rescue us. Luke two twenty one. 21. On the eighth day, Jesus is eight days old. When it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus The name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Again, Jesus means God saves us. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've now promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon's an older man, most likely, and he'd been waiting for years for the consolation or the salvation of Israel. And as soon as he recognizes the baby as the one hoped for, he says, OK, God, I'm ready to die. Dismiss me in peace. I've seen it. Verse 36, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She's 84. Now, in the original language, it could be Actually, the NIV might have a footnote. said she'd been a widow for 84 years, so it's possible she is close to 100 years old. And I want you to notice here the kind of people God reveals a salvation to him, the people of salvation. Simeon is righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation. Anna never left the temple, praying and fasting every day, waiting, looking. God reveals a salvation to receptive people. They're ready for this day. They knew Israel needed saving. They knew the world needed saving. Do you know the world needs saving? I think we do. They needed saving. And there had been 400 years of silence, and Simeon would be considered a foolish old man, and and they'd both be foolish, because there had been no word from God for 400 years. It's kind of like us. We're waiting for the second coming of Jesus, and people say, we're foolish. But Simeon says, now I've seen your salvation, and someday we will see that salvation. What makes salvation hard Is not that you have to try harder. In fact, that's counterproductive. Trying harder is relying on yourself for salvation. The hard part is being receptive and willing to give up ownership and control and surrender to Christ. I want to give you two common reasons people are not receptive today. They're both common misunderstandings. On one side, you have some people who are really, really sick. Now, we're all really, really sick. But some don't admit that they're sick, or they don't even know it. And it's hard to help people experience salvation when they don't see their need for it. Pretending you're not sick is not an effective way to get better. But that tends to be how a lot of people approach an illness. (coughs) You know, I'm not sick. (coughs) I'm fine and all that. And it's denial, and they won't be receptive. They're spiritually sick, but don't know it. On the other end of the spectrum are those people who think they're too sick. It's too late. I've gone too far. God could never use me or save me or love me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the mess I've made. So you got some people thinking, I'm not sick. I really don't need it. Or I'm too sick and I can't get better. And neither are receptive to salvation for opposite reasons. Seeming and Anna knew we need help. They knew Israel needed help. Israel was sick. But they also knew God loved them, and God had promised to save them, and so they were receptive. If you don't think you're sick, please look at the world around us. The world is sick, and you're part of that world. We're part of the problem. Second thing, salvation comes to various, a variety of people. Simeon was an elder, uh, a wise man who walked with God. Anna was a widow. Shepherds were average people off the street. Luke 1, Elizabeth was barren. Zacchaeus was a, Zechariah was a priest. Uh, magi were foreigners. They were probably highly respected where they came from. Salvation is just for a variety of people, for everyone. And according to our text, I want to throw this in. This is kind of a selfish thing here. It's for older people. Anne and Simeon are both old. I told this once before, but I got, this is one of my favorite stories. Two elderly Walmart greeters were sitting on a bench at the entryway, and one turns to the other and says, Slim, I'm 73 years old now, and I'm just full of aches and pains, and I know you're about my age. How do you feel? And Slim says, Oh, I feel just like a newborn baby. Really? Like a newborn baby? Yep, yeah, no hair, no teeth, and I think I just wet my pants. <laughs> it's old, I know. I have a 95-year-old mother out in Bonderleaf. Aging is not easy. The worst part for many is the loneliness. I read once that two-thirds of nursing home residents have no visitors. And in a society like ours that values looks, youth, productivity, speed, and athleticism, older people are not valuable and usually neglected. But in the Bible... I think it's significant in the birth account, it's announced to Simeon and Anna who see the salvation. Maybe it's because they're the receptive ones. Weaker members tend to be more open. At Vanderleaf, I think they're all, the ones that I know of, are looking forward to salvation. Generally, older people get it. So we have pictures of salvation. We have the people of salvation. I want you to notice what Simeon says in 29. Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. There's the peace of salvation. He's ready to die. He now has confidence in peace. And I'll just tell you, for years I have struggled with this concept of peace. Uh, I still have moments where peace eludes me. I was raised in a Christian home, but I doubted my salvation. And for a number of years, my early upbringing, I didn't think I was good enough. You know, I was one of those thought, I'm too sick for God to save me. I I doubted my own, I'm not good enough and I can't make it. And there was no peace. Simeon, he dies in peace. If I had died when I was younger, I would have thought, I'm not sure if I'm saved. And today I hear some of you, some Christians, doubting their salvation, wondering if they're saved. And there's some uncertainty that I don't see in Scripture. So when I was in college, it finally sank through my thick German skull, you know, I'll never be good enough. And I'm not saved because of my work, but because of Jesus' work. But it's hard for some to grasp that. You know, how can God save me even when I'm unfaithful? You know, I'm still wearing some of those dirty old clothes. So salvation is a process. It's messy. It's difficult. It's an often uneven process. It's a lifelong process. And God works in each one of us in different ways. And I think another way to illustrate it is going back to that idea of marriage. You know, if a woman is married to a man and she's fully committed to him and, and she's faithful, you know, even if he works too hard and is not at as home, home as much as she'd like, she still loves him. And they're still buried. And if he loses his temper at times and says harsh things at times that really hurt her, she still loves him. And they're still married. Even if he has an affair, she still loves him. Still married. And in the same way, we do things that... Do not please God, but we're still in covenant with him. He is still faithful. We're unfaithful at times. He still loves us. And like some marriages, some people have a rocky relationship with God, a lot of tension. And like some marriages, others have a boring relationship with God and it's kind of lifeless, but there's still a covenant there. Now, the woman can divorce her husband and break the covenant. And we can do the same with God. We can break the covenant. I don't want you anymore and just out and out reject him. God is divorced, by the way. When we out and out reject God in Christ, we can lose our salvation. The book of Hebrews is very clear about that. So I come to this thing where I know I'm not perfect, but I've not rejected him. And I know he's faithful to the covenant, so I can be confident in my relationship with God and have this peace because of his love and not mine. So Simeon dies with confidence, and we should live with confidence. And in verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This child is destined to cause the rising and falling of of many. Some are going to be blessed by this child. Others are going to stumble. He's going to be followed by some and he's going to be spoken against by some. Families are going to be divided, be divided over this child. Wars are going to be waged over this child, over this baby. It's the problems of salvation. Christmas is not good news for everyone. It is not peace on earth, goodwill toward all men. That's a wrong translation. That's not what it says. Not everyone in peace will have, on earth will have peace. Not everyone will be better. Jesus did come to save all, but not all will be saved. And this child would pierce Mary's heart probably as he's Hanging on the cross, obviously it's going to pierce her heart. And honestly, it's times it'd be easier to not be a Christian. Times it'd be easier to reject this salvation just to live the way I want to live. It'd be much easier to be my own boss. It'd be much easier that I determine how I spend my money and how I spend my time. It'd be much easier to sleep in than to get up and worship God. You know, salvation brings peace, but it can bring and it will bring problems. And yet, Simeon and Anna both sing... They rejoice, they praise God, they know salvation is here, which brings us to the praise of salvation. When we understand what God has done, we worship. When we realize that we are spiritually dead, we are slaves, we are guilty, we are enemies, Jesus is sent to save us, make us alive, make us free, make us not guilty, adopted into his family, that's why Christians worship. That is why we sing. The Magnificence of Salvation. I don't understand why all Christians don't sing. I don't get it. How can you not sing of what he's done? I want you to imagine holding a baby. By the way, our 10th grandchild was born two days ago. Oh, no. <laughs> 10, 10, man. Anyway, um, I like holding little babies. I, most everybody likes holding little babies But I like holding them only if they've been cleaned up and they smell good and everything like that. So I'm holding this baby and everything. I want you to imagine you're holding this baby and uh, this baby uh, then vomits all over himself and you and at the same time has a diarrhea problem coming out the cracks of the uh, diaper. What do you do? Ellen. Ellen. (laughs) Or mom. Yeah. Now I want you to imagine that Ellen and mom aren't there and no one's going to take that baby. And so whoever's holding this baby sets it on the floor and says, you're, you're on your own. And that baby cannot do anything, cannot clean itself up. and all That's us laying in our vomit. According to Romans 5, 6 through 8, it's the exact moment God reached down to pick us up. He says, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, couldn't do anything about it, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still in our vomit, in our stinky, dirty vomit and poop, Christ died for us. He came. While we were enemies, while we were dead, while we were slaves, while we were guilty and homeless, that's when he came to us. Stephen Curtis Chapman Chapman just summed it up like this. In the gospel, we discover we are far worse off than we thought and far more loved than we ever dreamed. So Jesus offers salvation to clean us up, make us well. Some don't think they need it. I'm not bad. I'm a good person. Total self-deception. Some don't think they deserve it. I don't really think God can salvage my life, but some will get it, they'll accept it, and they'll surrender, like Simeon and Anna. Hebrews 2 3 says, how shall we escape if we ignore such such great a salvation? So if you're unsure, if you're kind of like I was at one time, you wonder, boy, am I saved? Would you please talk to me, or Casey, or Garrett, or Rob, or an elder, or Sunday school teacher, talk to somebody. This is life and death. And salvation might be a struggle, it might be a painful process as you go through it, but life is possible in him and it is magnificent. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this gift, this amazing, magnificent gift that only you can give. Counseling can't give us new life. Willpower can't do it. Marriage can't do it. Our friends can't do it. only you can pick us up and clean us up. Only you can give life and acquittal and freedom. And I pray that everyone here will be receptive. Everyone here will come to you and surrender ego and self to you. As a church, we pray that this Christmas season will be a turning point for some and a rededication for others. We pray this Christmas season will be more than just music and food and family, but it'll be about worship and salvation.